Haunted Hours supported by Paranormality Radio. On ParanormalityRadio.com, you'll find the most comprehensive directory with podcasts that feature conspiracies, horror, all things paranormal, science fiction, and more. They even have a blog with a mixture of supernatural topics like aliens and time travel. Visit www.paranormalityradio.com to find out more. You're listening to Haunted Hour, real ghost stories from real people. She could actually see see things and that freaked her out. The minute I turned off the light, she screamed. She was like, oh! The following night, the same thing happened. The music continued playing. And then I felt hair like uh, sweeping my left cheek up and down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Haunted Hour. I need to clear the air because there is speculation that I will be ghost hunting again when the circuit breaker is over. For those of you that aren't from Singapore, the circuit breaker is just a fancy name for lockdown, right? So that's what we call it here. The question is, will I be ghost hunting again? The short answer is no, but here's the thing I need you to know. It can happen if all the pieces come together because I have a concept that's made for cable television and I also have the crew. So I'm talking about the director, the cameraman, the sound guy, the editor, the marketing guy. You know, I have all these people and they're really talented. They've not just done stuff for local television, but it's stuff, they worked on projects that have been shown across the world and across Asia, okay? So these guys are really good. Well, what I do not have at present is a television deal so until this is set in stone you have my podcast and freshly produced videos which by the way it's coming up from next Tuesday onwards okay and and all this will be on our Facebook page so I hope all this is enough to entertain you for now alright so let's get down to today's topic in the last week people have messaged me on my personal Instagram account with their ghost stories Majority of these stories revolve around soldiers. Yep, today's topic is about army ghost stories. I remember hearing so many stories when I enlisted in the Singapore Armed Forces. Here's a fun fact for non-Singaporeans. It's mandatory for all eligible males, aged 18 and above, to serve national service. We do two years of service in either the Army, Navy, Air Force, Police Force or Civil Defence. Think firefighters and paramedics for the civil defense. Reservists or in-camp training as it's known happens once a year for either a week or two weeks. If you don't know by now, Singapore is a small country. And no, we aren't in China. A lot of people assume that Singapore is in China. We are far away from China. Okay, I've got nothing against China. I love China. I've been there. I've been to Sunshine. I love the place. But we are not. We are not part of China. And because we have a population of 5.7 million, now this figure is from 2019, majority of us serve in the army to protect our land. And with Singapore being so small, it's no wonder that almost every part of the island is haunted. So yeah, when I served in the armed forces, I had two personal paranormal encounters that's ingrained in my brain. The first encounter happened when I was posted to Salita Camp. Formerly used by the British Army, the camp is so, so eerie at night. 
if you were ever posted to that camp, you would know what I'm talking about. I remember feeling like I was being followed while on guard duty. So at the very start, when I reported for duty, I remember being shown a map. And on this map, there were areas that were marked with little X's. We were repeatedly told to avoid these areas and to not ask questions like, why can't we go to that area? That's pretty strange, right? So anyway, all of us, I think there were six in total that were on duty that day. We did as we were instructed because we were, I guess, decent soldiers. At around three in the morning, I had to prowl with this dude. We prowled the circumference of his God-forsaken camp until something stopped us. We both heard what sounded like a lady crying. It was soft, but we could hear this lady cry. We rounded a block and then it got louder. And there before our eyes was this figure kneeling before a papaya tree that was next to the camp's fence. Now, the area wasn't very bright, but you know, you could see that there was someone there and this thing was just kneeling by the tree and she was crying. And I could only see the back of this thing. It had long hair, what looked like pale skin, and she looked naked. So people say that, oh, you know, I've seen this ghost and she was wearing all white. My encounter is totally different. She, she appeared naked. The guy that I was prowling with started walking faster. And when he turned the next corner, this dude just ran. Okay, he ran. And what did I do? I tried to walk fast, but you know, my brain just wasn't communicating with my legs. All the while, I could hear the crying get louder and louder and louder. And I was perspiring so much. I think my heart was beating the fastest it's, it's ever has had to work. So what seemed like hours was actually only minutes, right? And I reached the guardhouse and the fellow that ran away was there along with the others. Apparently, they were deciding on the best way to get to me, something which I don't believe because they didn't look like they were about to set off to look for me. Anyway, nothing else happened that night because the duty officer called off the prowling. He, he decided that it was in the best interest of everyone to, to have the group just stay in the guardhouse. And you have no idea how thankful I was. So looking back, that first encounter that I had in the army really wasn't that bad. But my second encounter took place in Jurong Camp 2 a year later. And this was such a strange night. Firstly, we had this thunderstorm that was really bad. So bad that it wiped out the electricity in the camp. Now, the first strange occurrence happened right before the storm hit. Prowlers on guard duty reported seeing two men walking near the bridging lake. Now, what was odd is that the two men wore old, discontinued army uniforms, and they refused to stop when asked. Just when the prowlers were reporting their sightings to the guard room, the two men disappeared from sight. So the camp went into immediate lockdown because of this security breach, and that's when the storm started and the storm took out the power to the entire camp. So I was in my bunk when the duty specialist entered with a nominal list and he checked to see if everyone was present before leaving for the next bunk. At some point in the night, it got really stuffy because the windows were closed and the fans weren't working. So I stepped out of the corridor for fresh air. I began talking to this Chinese guy and we both spoke about what we knew. It was just a typical conversation, you know, to avoid an awkward moment. Moments later, I heard footsteps, so I turned to my left and I see the duty specialist walking towards me. As he reached to where I was standing, he asked me who I was talking to. So I raised my eyebrows and I turned to my right to say this guy and there was nobody there. 
So where the hell did he go? Because he was there like literally seconds ago and then he, he disappeared. In the morning, we checked with the only bunk to our right and they didn't have anyone. Okay, they didn't have anyone that matched my description. A skinny Chinese male with crew cut hair that wore grey shorts and a white t-shirt. I remember, I recall him looking pretty pale but you know it was dark so it's kind of hard to, to tell, right? Until this day, I can vividly picture this person or spirit that I saw. Those are my two encounters in the army. I'm sorry I don't have a story about somebody getting possessed or a missing body part case. I don't have that. But next up, I've got Calvinder and he's going to share his encounter at Pulau Tukong, an island where young men train to be soldiers. It's coming up next. Hey, Noel. How you doing? Hey, Calvinder. How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Not too bad. Nice rainy day, huh? Perfect weather for a nice ghost story as well. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. I've I've got a I've got a couple of stories. There's like we've done like in my younger days, we've done a lot of ghost hunting and stuff like that. Right. Um, but the two that really that um really stand out because it's really personal. Like there were things that happened after that as well beyond the the first things that happened and stuff like that. Uh, one is obviously about the time in Tekong, Pulau Tekong, BMT. Mm-hmm. And then the other was this um, JTC estate in Corporation Road. Right, okay. Yeah, so there are two of them that are really like, I just thought about it and they hit me. Uh, the Both of the stories just hit me really uh, really strongly as well. Okay, let's start with Pulau Tekong. So you did your sure, man. BMT on the island. Yep, the BMT on the island, a uh, long time back actually. I was in the, uh, so that the, was in the Kilo Company. It's mm-hmm. called Kilo, now it's called Kestrel Company. And um, so we first go in and we realize that because there are four floors to the entire uh, to the entire company. And the funny thing is that all the floors are arranged from uh, left to right. So one will start on the, uh, no, one will start on the right, sorry, right to left. One will start, uh, door number one starts, bunk number one starts on the, uh, on the right, then two, three, four, five, all the way to eight or ten bunks, however it is. The thing is, on the first floor, it was the other way around. Okay, so we were like, okay, we didn't think much of it. Um, just thought as it is. And then when we entered the bunk, my bunk was the uh, the, the second last bunk uh, to the toilet. Basically, there's another like a, like a common area, play area room, and then the toilet is there. So the funny thing is, in our bunk, there are 13 of us. Every other bunk had 12 people. We had 13 of us, and we had a spare cupboard. There's another cupboard there. So there's 13, 13 beds, 13 stuff, but 14 cupboards, basically. Okay. So no one really thought much about it. We just slept there. Uh, first few weeks, I mean, first month, nothing happened. And then um, one night we all got to know each other, we we're talking to each other. And then at the back, um, I had this friend who was at, sleeping at the, at the back, facing the window, the bed near the window. And I never realized it, but he always wore a massive amulet. For that night, I realized that he wore this massive Buddhist amulet on him. So we've mm. been there for about a month, I would say, a month plus, and I never realized that he wore this amulet. So basically what happened was, um, he was on the phone, like talking to his girlfriend and everything, and then he hung up the phone and said, hey, I'm feeling a bit hot, bro. Oh, okay, fine, we're just sitting at the back chit-chatting. Then um, he just took off his amulet, he laid down. Like, he just laid down. And then we're just talking, and then someone like like realized that his, because he's, he's a Chinese guy, okay? And the next thing you know, you realize that his body was, 
turning pinkish red, like reddish in a way. Then we were like, okay, it's just all super strange. So we went to wake him up. We tried to wake him up. We're like, hey, uh, get up, get up, get up. Not responding. Someone even slapped him. Nothing at all. So we ran down. We called the PC. The PC came up. Um, we brought him downstairs. For some reason, we brought him downstairs to the company level on the first floor. And somebody rushed to get ice, to ice from the from the from the canteen, just quite nearby our, our our unit. They took ice and they put like a like like a whole handful of ice on him. As soon as they put the ice on him, it just melted. Like I've never seen ice cubes in a hand just placed on someone's head and it just melted like instantly fast. Like it like, it is crazy. Then my commander started slapping him really hard. Like I've never seen a man get slapped that hard and not respond. Yeah. And then we were all like, okay, this is insanely weird. Like, what's going on? What's going on? People panic. And then someone realized that he um, he was wearing this big chain on him. Someone said a big chain on him. And my PC said, go and get it, go and get it. Someone, so we went up, about four of us, or four of them went, went up to the bunk, took it, ran down, and put it on him. And within less than 10 seconds, he snapped out of it. He was like, what am I doing on the floor? Well, you're, and he got angry. He goes, what am I doing on the floor? Where am I? And he just started, like, what's happening? We're like, we told him, he's like, he, he just didn't say anything. He said, no, 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 no. He went up. And then at night, before we went to bed, um, he's like, bro, uh, from now on, whenever I go up to the bunk, can you all come with me? Can Even in the daytime, he did, doesn't go up by himself. So yeah. we're like, okay, so fine. So that was one incident. And then a few weeks passed, we booked in. So we were in the cash flow company, which is to basically lose weight. We're the obese batch. And right. the thing about obese boys is they'll find a way to smuggle food in into the camp to put it in the cupboard okay right. so for some reason people they brought in like jam peanut butter whatever snacks and so one day some joker brought in bakwa right which and is not allowed right which yeah. is not allowed Kong, yeah. because we were told yeah we were told there's like the different parts of the Kong and there's like an old um, Malay kampong and stuff like that so we were told to be respectful he brought in bakwa and he put it in the cupboard he put it in the spare cupboard which no one was using right he just put it in and he closed it and then uh, that night nothing a few nights later we would just hear the cupboard like we'd be sleeping like still at night we'd be sleeping and then you just hear the cupboard creak open like someone's opening it to take something so I mean we assumed that maybe he was taking to eat or whatever but the freaky part was when the thing just slammed shut it was like um, like with anger like it just slammed shut and then like we got up we were in our beds, half asleep here and there, we got up. In the middle of the night, we got up. And everyone just looked at each other like, what happened, what happened? And we're like, no, no, you want to take the food. We, everybody tried to play it off and act and cool about it. And this went on for like two nights, really, really, uh, really badly. And the room started to feel strange. Like, once you shut off the lights, you just had this very strange feeling in the in the bunk. It, not, it wasn't what it used. Like, it just felt strange. And then we were sleeping one night, and uh, I think it was like, uh, I think it was just before like four or something or five something. We just heard the cupboard violently shake, violently shake, and we got up, and we got up. We heard the cupboard in the still of the night. You hear the the cupboard shake, and we're facing the obstacle course, so there are lights shining into the bunk, but you can see the cupboard violently shaking, like just moving back and forth. And you switch on the lights, it stops. Yeah, and these are um, metal cupboards, right? These are really heavy industrial metal cupboards which took uh, four or five guys to shift from one side to another side. So we shifted it near the window away from it so the light doesn't hit into the, the, the bunk that much. So it's darker at night to sleep. That was the approach we had. 
And then it just started shaking and everybody freaked out. And then that night people were sleeping and a few of them, they swore that they were sleeping and they heard somebody crying. They heard like a, a child or a woman crying and someone just walking up and down crying, just like at the foot of their bed. And at times you'll get up and you'll find random long strands of hair just on your tabletop. There's no way we had long strands of hair. <clears throat> Everybody was shaved through, like bald, almost bald, and we had long strands of hair just on random bits every every other night. So naturally we freaked out and we went and tell our PC and, our, and, they, and they, she made jokes about it. They're like, oh, if you see her, ask for her number. They try to brush it off and make it like like something that we were just uh, we were just mucking around or something. But it happened to us really bad. And then and then it, it, it just got worse. And then the, the power would just die off. So there are four floors, as I mentioned. It's only on our floor the lights and the power would just shut off randomly throughout the day. They call an electrician to come in. He comes in and fixes it. He's like, there's nothing wrong. Everything's in order. No one is using any electrical stuff. But the power would just randomly shut off as and when. What is strange? And and that was strange. And then so what happened was the Muslim the Muslim brothers all of they all got uh, concerned. This was getting a bit of occurrence because from our bank there were a few Muslim boys and they told their friends as well and they got they, and they got worried. So they started doing prayers and uh, and stuff like that. It stopped. It stopped for a while until some one of my bank mates, um, one of the guys, he got up. He said, "I'm gonna go to the toilet." I said, "Okay, fine." And then I'm like, I just open the door, I'll just wait for you there, you know, because like two of us waited there, the buddy system. So fine. I had, I had two buddies, one was knocked out. So I got up for my buddy and I stood there and I waited for him. And then uh, he comes to the toilet and says, hey, how come you're here? I'm like, what do you mean? I've been here the whole time. He said, no, you're just talking to me inside the toilet. You're in the cubicle. I went to pee and you came in, you closed the door. You said, bro, hurry up, I'm waiting for you. Holy crap, okay. And then when I walked past, you banged the door and you said, I will come out. And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm there. I, I, I didn't do anything, I, I swore. And he's like, no, no, you're lying, you're lying. So there was another thing that, that kind of freaked everybody out when we told them. And then there were, there were times of, um, there were times when I remember someone mentioned that they would walk at night or get out for a cigarette or a smoke and they come by, they see a small boy running. Mm. Just running up and down a corridor. But it wasn't the kind of like a bad feeling, but you just see a small child running or you hear like pitter patter feet running across outside the bunk or something like that. And so these were things that just started uh, happening too much and then they, they started doing like prayers and stuff in the bunk but still things would happen, uh, things would go missing. Um, the mood would just be very solemn sometimes and I'd every just sit down there really, really sad or really pissed off or really just out of it. So what I realized, I remember what someone did was they brought a Taoist, um, I don't know what it's called, it's like a, like a Taoist circle, I won't say a circle like a hexagram or something like that and they put it on our door and the next night and everything it just stopped yeah I think everything that's everything just just yeah, stopped I think that's the parkour yeah I think I, I remember it's, I'm not sure what it's called but I remember I can if I see a picture of it it's like lines and there's colors and he just put it up there and it stopped but the thing was people who would walk outside there were times we came back we had scratches on our back but once we entered the room everything just felt Calm. Okay, calm. Mm. As long as it's past night and we walk out, the guys come back with scratches or come back with, he felt like someone was following him, someone was whispering his name, all this stuff that happened to all of us. And that's and, all um, because somebody brought in Bakwa. I think I think it was already bad as it is. It was already there, but I think that just escalated it and they were, and they were joking about it. 
So no one actually, I think in that age, you just try to be macho around your friends. You're like, oh, that's nothing. And everyone just kind of joked about it and still being respect. So it it just happened. If you, I think if you were a bit more respectful, you were a bit more understanding of where we were and what we were in that area and the location, we were like the last unit on the stretch towards the, the whole uh, 24-kilometer route march or something like that. We were the last unit there with all trees and an optical course. So it was, made, I wouldn't say the most active, but it just felt easy. And, like, and all these things happened, people just, just started brushing it off until it became a regular occurrence. Then everybody kind of took it seriously, started doing prayers, started asking advice from families and stuff and brought the amulet and things over. Yeah. So that was that was pretty freaky. The first time I ever, like, I read about stuff like this, but I've never experienced it. Yeah. It's when you get up and you find long strands of hair beside you on your bed, on your foot of your bed, or beside you, you just freak out. And yeah, you and try you, to think of any other scenario to just block it out, you know? Yeah, and you can't explain it, right? You can't. Huh. You can't. You just baffle. You try. So everything came out with different reasons or excuses to why it could happen as well. So, yeah. I yeah. know of uh, of this guy who's uh, of a certain high rank in the army and he's a pretty, he's a close friend. So, mm. We've had this conversation before and I asked him about Pala Tekong and then he told me that there's an island that's next to Tekong. I think it's called Mini Tekong or something like that. Yeah. And on the island, they've got like this big altar where they go and pray. So every time when, uh, before the BMT batch comes in, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They, all the officers will go there and they'll pray and they will ask that, you know, the soldiers don't get disturbed. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I know I that. Remember, even even go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so I know that the army officers themselves they take this seriously. You know that they know that there's a lot that's going on on the island because I think Pulau uh, Tekong is cursed in a way. Yeah, that would make sense because I remember when we were outfield as well, there were someone telling us that there are black and white areas of Tekong. So right. we were asked to stay within the when we're doing the field camp, we were asked to stay within a uh, certain perimeter to not go beyond and above that as well. Because we were told there are white areas and black, uh, black areas. So, I mean, it didn't like, back then. We we're like, oh, okay, there's rules and follow. We never thought much about this, and we didn't have time to. I mean, being shagged as well. But as you get older, you realize that it, it really is a slightly different area to be in, a different place to be in. Do you have any other experiences in Tekong? Um, I mean, just like the normal stuff people they say normal like back then. Just you hear people marching or people walking or shouting in the middle of the night, you just assume it's the guys doing uh, parole or duty, you know, because we were, like I said, beside the obstacle course, obstacle course is beside the main, uh, the main area of the cone, we're facing the sea. So I would, we would assume that just people shouting or stuff like that. Uh, but just like, just finding stuff where you would hear like a bit of laughter, a bit of walking, a bit of footsteps. Um, some people uh, claim to see a, a lady in the corner uh, of their unit, of their bunk, sorry. So they said we've seen that as well. Uh, that word and different different stories that I've heard uh, during my time with my unit. All right, and then what's your experience at the JVC at Corporation Drive or Corporation yeah. Road? Co it's a Corporation Road. Is it called? Uh, I think it's called the Taman Jurong. That they're called the H shape, the JTC flats. Okay. So I remember it's like I think a block of like uh, flats are like five or six stories high. Uh, it's a Corporation Road. So basically. I don't know where this all started among my friends like let's go and someone had the idea of going down from the east all the way to Corporation Road to go and see explore this place because they've heard stories of rumors whatever so basically just to set up the place as we went there it's an abandoned estate um, it's an abandoned estate in their own parcel of land 
across the parcel of land, there is an active HDB, like a three-bedder, uh, three-bedroom apartments over there. So it's across the road. There's a house with family and people living in it. That's one. Um, it's a and it's a mess. It's an area there. And basically, when we went there, there was no electricity. There's no power. Basically, there's nothing. The area is just like a silent, like a like a dead area, basically. Uh, there's a playground. I remember there's a playground in the corner, and this playground would come back in the future and I'll explain why. Uh, in the corner of the area as well. And when we went there, we basically um, we parked the car in their parking lot. They had an old like a parking lot space for the gym, so we parked inside there. And do not there's no one living there. There's no rubbish. There's no nothing at all. So as soon as we came out of that place and we walked a few steps into the estate itself, it just felt like I think there were maybe seven or eight of us, maybe two girls, the rest are guys, and um, we went, we all went there and we went as a group, and in every group we have the joker, someone who likes to laugh and make jokes, and maybe using laughter and joke to hide the fear of something it is, and we brought with us a camera, that old school Olympus camera, the one that you zoom, you can, like a scope that comes out, yeah. you remember those? Yeah, I remember. So we brought that with us as well to take photos of what we think would be. And the area, the premise just feels like another zone or another area because even if you're there, you see active flats around you, you don't seem to hear or listen or feel them. You just feel like you're stuck in this zone. It's, it sounds crazy, but it just feels like a whole different vibe and a feel. And you come out, you start to feel different. I, I just feel different. I came out. And so what we did, we started walking around the area, looking at some of the units. And the funny thing is the floors, all of them have an eviction notice on the house, on every door. And some of the floors looked like someone's hands were on the floor and they were being dragged across. They were like handprints of like someone just being dragged across. Basically, you look down the floor at some of the units, they were just like, you see eight fingers, two thumbs, like stretched out, like being dragged. Oh no. So we were like, we were like, okay, maybe, you know, something, maybe someone moving furniture. So we always try to find something to just double guess instead of thinking what it is from the start. And the thing is, there's no electricity, there's no power. And then we were walking, one of the lifts started working. It went from zero to five, the fifth floor. I remember very clearly, it came up the fifth floor, we all just went quiet, and we heard someone like um, plastic slippers running. Just running, just running. Then we were like, okay, this is, this is just being crazy and freaky. And I felt, I personally felt like something was either following us or looking at us, because whenever I walked in the corner of my eye, I saw like a black shadow, like a thing just following us. And, the, and I, I kind of doubted myself because there was, I kind of questioned myself because there were no cars passing by. There's no way I was doing maybe a light reflection shadow. I kind of put two into the other, but it didn't add up. And this was always in the corner of my eye. So what we did was we walked past uh, one of the one of the ground floor units and there's a window there. And I told my friend, turn and take a photo. Just take a photo. He took a photo and in that photo, which you see like three hits. You see three hits just looking at you. They look like mm. small kids, like two, Basically, it's one on top, and then imagine like a photo, one on top, one on the right, and then one just peeking behind the one that's on the right. Like like kids taking a photo. Oh my. And he was like, and we were like, what the fuck? And then the funny thing was after that, what happened was the, the, the zoom function, it just dislodged. It just dislodged. And we were like, well, what the hell? It just, it just dislodged by itself. And he was trying to fix it, and he was like, oh, maybe you guys hit it, you guys broke it. We're like, no, it just dislodged. He was trying to zoom it in and out, it just dislodged by itself. And he started making jokes about it and trying to, trying to, he tried to like use humor to calm himself down or to not panic and that, but just that you have the feeling of you being followed. 
and some of the doors, some of the houses had their doors ajar. Ajar as in inviting you to come and take a look, hmm. to come and peek in. Did so you go in? Basically, what I did was we went to the front, and you know when you go for this type of things, you you say sorry first and just want to take a look. You want to see what's happening. And what I always do is I go with my gut. As soon as I got to the door, and the gut instinct in me was like, stop, stop, don't go in. You go in, you're gonna get hell. Something just like said stop, and I'm like, no, no, I, I don't think we should go in. Uh, let's just explore a bit further. So I, I just moved out away from there. But in the corner, the thing was still following. I saw it. I don't know whether my my friend saw it, but I saw it. We're just following us. And and just following us the whole time, and then um, one of the blocks on the on the fourth or the fifth floor, the lights started flicking off. In the hall, I would assume it's the hall or maybe a balcony. I'm not sure where, but it just started flicking off. You could see from the from the from the ground floor looking up, you could see the light flicking on on on, on and off by itself. And it just it just it just felt very like very strange and very uh, very weird. And even when we went back home, we had that photo that we took. We put in the memory card. Uh, Took it out, put in the computer. The memory card didn't work at all. Just didn't want to work at all. Like it just didn't didn't comply with the camera. Didn't comply with the computer. Nothing wrong. Uh, complied with that, and we could just hear, we could feel, like someone whispering or someone talking, within your ear. And one of my friends, I remember, she said that she thought she heard someone crying beside her. She heard someone crying behind her. So, and then what we did was when we were done, we were done. Do you think this getting a bit too much? People are starting to get freaked out. People are not feeling comfortable being here. Uh, we went back to the car park. So remember, I mentioned the car park earlier that is empty, deserted, nothing, no rubbish, nothing at all, zero. One of my friend's car he was driving a, a jet at that time. His front tire had a bunch of of, of roaches surrounding it, just cockroaches just surrounding it. Why? And we were like, okay, this is weird. This is, this is doesn't add up. Doesn't add up. And then we got in the car and we drove and said, let's go to um, Budne, there's a coffee shop and sit down there. In my car that I was I was driving the car, I just had this very strong buttermilk-ish, uh, flowerish scent in the car with us. Mm. And it felt heavy. No one spoke. No one spoke on the way. But the car came out. My friend and I, we went to the washroom. And I went to one side of the washroom, he went to the other side. <clears throat> As he was walking, he said someone hit him. He looked at me and said, why are you hit me? I said, I'm far away from you, no way I can reach you, man. And as I was walking out, somebody just shoved me. Something shoved me. I'm, just to give you a bit of insight, I'm six foot. I'm about nine kilos. Yeah. Something shoved me in the back and I just went forward and I just caught my, caught my step. Okay. We went back in the car again, driving back, and the, the whole time we were driving back, everybody kept quiet, and my uh, everybody started saying a prayer on their own, and that smell eventually faded away. And then what happens is a few weeks later, I'm, at, I'm, in, I'm back in my place, sleeping and everything. I have a dream of an old old pachi in a songko sitting at the exact playground there, telling me, don't come back here. Don't ever come back here. Or not, you will, you will feel it. Uh. And I'm like, oh, and I and I got up. I'm like, okay. I didn't I didn't think about it. It wasn't in my mind. It wasn't something that I was thinking about. I'm like, it's done. It's been weeks. It just hit me. I'm like, okay. I'm not I'm not going there again. And then as I went to work and I met colleagues and somebody mentioned the story about this place, and I met when I met other people as well who just randomly talking. They brought up this topic, <coughs> and the the funny thing is, 
all three of them had that same story. So I don't know if it's an urban legend or is it someone telling stories or whether it's a similar story. It was basically they were saying that um, a man owed someone uh, money, basically. This man came and collected his money from someone living in that estate. And since it was such a small communal estate, he came and asked for help and said, can you help me find this guy? Because I need the money back from him. And right. nobody bothered to help him. Nobody bothered to help. It's not my problem, not my concern. And in his retaliation, he released whatever he had, some spirits or whatever he had. But would you have, okay, you were saying that the memory card... That was one that... Yeah, the, the memory card of the of the camera was corrupted or not, but you wouldn't have the photograph that you spoke about with the... Uh, with the boys. No, that was that was that was easily ten years ago. Ah, okay. But I can give you my word, swear that I was pictured on those three heads. Yeah, I was <laughs> and just, excuse me, and still, yeah. and still and still haunts me till this day. I'm talking about I'm sweating. I don't know why. Huh. I'm sitting in a conditioned room and perspiring, and that was the only time where I went there and I didn't feel. I just felt very heavy, very, very followed, very very followed. I just kept kept quiet. I didn't speak much. I just followed and walked around and just just it just wasn't a a good area to be in. Really. Kind of realize that we should have been, you know, like shouldn't overstep the boundaries sometimes. But a lot of times you don't know what the boundaries are, you know. Yep, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But yeah, man, that that's pretty much. I mean, the other stuff that we do, but nothing like as as when you when you actually sense and feel and hear something when you're not supposed to, when there's no one there. Yeah. And that was times that I when I started questioning, like, okay, this is actually, you know, this is real. This is not something that is to be played around or to be joked around. This is real. You're coming to someone's territory and space. Exactly. Uh, just, um, just gotta be a bit more uh, respectful and a bit more aware of what they're walking and what they're seeing. But just the fact that having that old man just sit and tell me in this in, in Malay, I understand Malay. So told me Malay, do not come here again. You're not welcome here. Do you have a army ghost story to share? There is a post that is now up on our Ghost Files Singapore Facebook page. Leave a comment with your story because I want to hear all about it. Thank you so much for listening. This is Noel signing off.